not be new to you, right? We are being empowered for God's purposes. And so when we look at Orphan Sunday, it's not just a day to go, orphans, woohoo, and we raise flags with an O on it for orphans and go, da 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 we love you, right? And no, we say we want to recognize this is a Sunday that is a focus of why we are empowered because we actually believe that God wants to move in and through us for those that are in need, those who are oppressed, those who are marginalized and those who are forgotten. We are empowered for a purpose. We're empowered for the reasons of God. We're empowered for his mission. Like God looks and says, I have a mission. I have a mission for you. Mission possible, right? Mission possible. If you choose to accept. And this idea for us this morning is an orphan Sunday. We are coming alongside. We are empowered for these purposes. And so then when we think about being empowered, I want you to recognize you're not empowered to make more money for yourself. You're not empowered to do cool stuff. People will look at you. You're empowered so that you can say to God, I now have your power. How do you want to use it through me? That's the idea. But I live my life every day with expectation of God empowering me. And then me submitting his power back to him and saying, now, I've got your power, but it's not mine to use for my own personal gain. It's to use for your purposes. And I see Orphan Sunday, I see orphans, and I want to be empowered in my prayer life to pray with power and expectation and then to do whatever you want me to do. And so we're empowered for a reason. Last week, if you were here, we talked about... And look at the purpose of Jesus' life as defined in Luke chapter 4. We look at the, the supernatural form that defines his ministry. And so we talked about his daily life consisted of powerfully, with authority, sharing the gospel, the good news. He would pray for healing for those that are in need of healing. And he was releasing people from spiritual oppression He named it casting out of demons. We said, this is the form of Jesus's ministry. This is what he did and is what his disciples did. He modeled, they followed suit, and then it becomes now a model for each of us. This is the model, the model of Jesus for us to be walking and moving in the supernatural power of Jesus in all that we are doing. And for For a percentage of you last week, this message was inspiring, hopefully. It awakened a a powerful reality that you want to have define your life. Maybe even hopefully challenged you this week to view your life and the people that God brings into your life just a little bit differently. As those whom God wants to powerfully love through you. Hopefully that happened for a percentage of you. But I will say last week and before my message, during my message, and then after my message in this week, I was very aware that there were some of you, maybe even a large percentage of you, who felt very disconnected from the message last week. Not because you don't believe Jesus did that stuff. Or maybe, and you don't, and it's not that you don't believe that he still has the power to do if he wanted to, but it seems so foreign and distant from your daily experience that it was hard for you to practically connect to the supernatural form that God wants you to move in. And so here's a question I want to start with this morning. Who do you think is more spiritual of those two? The ones who totally grabbed hold of it or the ones who struggled with it? 
The answer is neither. Neither are more spiritual. Neither are more spiritually deep than the other. What we find in this moment is this. The foundation of our spiritual lives this morning is this. Jesus, when he looks at our lives, this is on the screen, Jesus is more focused on where we are in the journey we are on and less on the destination he has for us as we grow in our maturity in Christ. This is a really important statement for all of you who love to condemn yourself for not being, and you love to, and how, I would say, raise your hand of how many are really good at comparing yourself to other people, but I don't want to embarrass you. But the reality is, every single one of us do it, whether we compare ourselves and think of ourselves as less than, or compare ourselves and see ourselves as being better than. There are, no, there, isn't, there are no better people at comparison, whether for less or being better, than in the church. Can I get an amen? I mean, we are fantastic at comparison. We are fantastic at judgment. We are fantastic at looking at people and going, oh, they're so much better, or they're so much, they're just not spiritual at all, right? In charismatic circles, we say, oh, they're not spirit-filled. And we mean that to say they don't have the same theology of the Holy Spirit that we do, the movement of God's Spirit. So we say, oh, he's great, but he's not spirit-filled, right? And we mean that, and we're trying to say they have something, they, we have something they don't. They're lacking in something, right? Or over here in the non-spirit people, it doesn't say, oh, they're those weirdos, right? We live in comparison. And so when we start talking then about the supernatural, there are really several different camps in the world. There are, man, we're gung-ho, all supernatural. There are those who are like, well, we believe, but we're not really going after it. If God wants to do it, I guess he can. And those over here say, that died a long time ago. And so when we talk about all this supernatural stuff, I want you to recognize when Jesus looks at us, he's not saying, oh, destination needs to define them. None of them have gotten there yet. None of them have the fullness, whatever. He's saying, hey, you're on your journey and you're all at different places. And and this is all I'm worried about is that you were actually somewhere on the journey moving towards me. And so when we talk then about comparison, Jesus isn't doing it. He's not comparing you A versus B to see who's more spiritual. He's just saying, well, I just love you. And so then we come in this moment and we're talking about supernatural and where we are. I want you to recognize Jesus knows where you are. And our journey in his mind, then, our journey is one of growth and maturity, isn't it? We're all growing. We're all maturing. We're always learning, always being shaped. We're always being molded. We're always being formed into our real life, the life that looks like Jesus's life. And none of us have attained it. I mean, listen, Paul, in his own words, says the same thing about himself in Philippians chapter 3. Here's a guy who has raised the dead. Who Look, look at me. Don't look at this little verse yet. He literally has raised the dead. He literally has seen people healed. He's literally prophesied over people, right? He has literally, literally done crazy things proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and probably thousands giving their life to him. And he says, now you can put on the screen. Verse 12, not that I have already attained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ took hold of me. 
What we're looking at here in the language is that Paul's life, he's saying, was marked by the journey of growth. I've done all these things, and I look back and celebrate, and I look forward and recognize how much room I have in front of me. How much growth I have in front of me. Paul's life was marked by the journey of growth, enjoying himself in the journey, but recognizing there was still much room. Then he comes and talks about the church, the people of God, the body of Christ in Ephesians chapter 4. And you've got to recognize in this, if you've ever heard of the five-fold ministry, he comes in the beginning part of, uh, of chapter 4, and he starts talking about where we are. He starts talking about our need for maturity in the faith. He starts talking about how Jesus has empowered us. He's like literally given us gifts, and he names Apes, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. Those are new to you. We just call it the fivefold ministry. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. And what Paul says is God has poured out these specific giftings on individuals in the church so that he can take those who are young and who are immature. They can lead them. They can teach them. They can raise them up and cause maturity to happen in their life. And in verse 14 and 16, then... Then, after this has happened, this teaching, we will no longer be infants, chapter 4, verse 14 through 16, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and the deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I read from the NIV. This is the English Standard Version. Different words, but the same mentality, okay? Same mentality. You read it here. We're no longer, so that we will, he will teach, so we'll no longer be infants. We need to grow. There's this idea of being, of being grounded, of being taught, of being raised up together. He recognizes, in verse 15, so we can become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. So in light of our conversation last week of the supernatural works of Jesus, but the life of empowerment we've been talking about the past two months, I want to look at the journey that you are on and that I'm on. All of us, all of us, no matter where we are in our spiritual walk, no matter where we are in our thinking about the supernatural, no matter where we are in our obedience to Jesus and the natural, we must recognize that we are on a journey. We are on a journey. We haven't and never will arrive this side of heaven. In fact, I would say we never actually arrive ever. Because I don't know what you know about Jesus, but I know that he is limitless and that I will spend eternity always growing in my knowledge of him, which means I will never actually arrive, which makes heaven seem a lot more enjoyable. That I live every second of every moment of every day growing in the knowledge of something new and wonderful and powerful about a God who loves me. So I never arrive, this side of heaven or post heaven. So I'm always growing. I'm always maturing. And so we find this, right? No matter where we are, we're always being shaped into the image of Jesus. And so here's what you need to say. This is on the screen. Our depth, our depth of spirituality is not about how far we are in our journey, but how submitted and committed and obedient we are to Jesus along the way. Read that again. 
Our depth of spirituality is not about how far we are in our journey, but how submitted and committed and obedient we are to Jesus along the way in every moment of every day. I can be fully submitted to Jesus yesterday and be doing well in the spiritual journey, be fully unsubmitted today and having stopped moving forward. And someone who, quote unquote, is much younger and less, less mature in the faith can be fully submitted, fully obedient and fully committed to God and be doing much better on their journey in the faith. Do you see that? That's why that's why I said it earlier. There's no one. There's no one who is more spiritual Because what Jesus is looking for in the context of our journey is a submitted, committed, and obedient people. So Timothy came up here into the Nene forest, right, and talked about elevation. How many of you were doing it, by the way? I wasn't looking out here. Thank you. Yes. Lucy, I saw it. I was. Watch me whip. Watch me. Wait, wait. I did the whole thing, right? So we believe in our, we believe at Vintage. How many of you know that our youth still need to grow mature? Raise your hand. How many of you know our youth in our church still need to grow? Youth in every church still need to grow. Like, you look at your youth, like, oh, my gosh, by God, yes. Oh, my gosh. They are so terrible and immature, right? No, we all know that they need to grow and mature. We take elevation moments like this, and we, we wrap fun around Jesus because so often church is not fun at all. And so we make these moments that actually invite them in rather than repulse them, right? We bring them into these moments of great joy and excitement and fun knowing Jesus is in all of it because he created, he created dancing, right? He created jumping up and down. He probably created the nene for all I know, right? I mean, he created these things to enjoy his presence. And so we bring our youth in and we create these moments. Why? Because we want them to know Jesus. We want them to surpass us. We want them to not fail in college. We don't want them to fall away. We want to have one that has an authentic relationship with Jesus that when they go off to college, they don't talk about surviving. They talk about bringing revival. We want them to thrive. And so we create these special moments. We, we are leaders. Like, you know, all of our leaders have jobs just like you, right? Nine to fivers, maybe six to eighters. I have no idea. And they are then coming and discipling and mentoring and meeting with our students during the week. They are, they are coming on Sunday night, right, and giving several hours to our, our youth. It's a beautiful thing. They went this weekend and got no sleep. And then they had to go to work tomorrow morning looking just as bad as Timothy looked this morning, right? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Here they are because we believe that our youth need to grow in their maturity and knowledge of Jesus. And the same thing is true for all of your children this morning who are in Vintage Village. We don't, listen, hear me. We do not believe at Vintage in glorified babysitting. Do we, do we, Lori Deal? We do not believe in that. We believe in every moment that we have with your children to disciple them, unfortunately, because some of you are not doing a great job at home. And so we're going to do our best to bleed the love of Jesus all over them every single second of every moment that we have them in this building so they can grow in the maturity and the knowledge of Jesus so as 10-year-olds, they can lay their hands on the sick and see them healed. 
so that they can proclaim the gospel in moments wherever they are. So they can just be kind to people who are not kind to them. But here's the piece to recognize, no matter where we are on our journey, we are just as much in need of growth and maturity as our youth and our children. And maturity for us into these deeper things of God's spirit is dependent on our submission, commitment, and obedience to Jesus. We want to be empowered. We want to see the things of God. Then we have to recognize in humility that we are on a journey, always growing, always maturing every day, needing to submit ourselves, commit ourselves and live obedient to Jesus. Yesterday's submission does not fit for today. It's a new day. We slept and we had to wake up again and make a conscious decision. That's the thing about sleep. We don't live in one constant submission to Jesus. It's an every day we go to sleep. And then we submit ourselves in our sleep, and then we wake up to a new day that requires submission, commitment, and obedience again. Every day is a journey that we are on. And our spirituality is not better than someone because every day we're all at the same place in need of submitting, committing, and obeying Jesus every day. We are just as much in need. So let's put that in context then of our conversation from last week. Think about this for your life and where you are on your journey. Here's a question. What I didn't put this on the screen, so just hear me. What are the things you see in Jesus' life, like in his life, the things that he did? Pay attention real quick. Think about Jesus' life. What do you see in Jesus' life that would require the most help from Jesus in your life? Like to be like him. If you look at the life of Jesus and you see the things that he did, Like things that seem supernatural to you and just things that seem like natural everyday life. Like, like, um, like, could you imagine for those of you who have the power to bring people onto a team in your office, could you imagine saying the best idea today would, would be to bring a thief like Judas Iscariot onto my team and then to bring Simon the terrorist onto my team. That's a great idea. Like, do you have the ability to see beyond people's stuff to see the the God thing in them, right? So that you would bring people like that onto your team. I would need Jesus to see beyond the surface of that to bring them onto staff at Vintage, I'm just saying. Right? To see people for who they really are. To see beyond the surface to get to the very core of what Jesus sees. It's going to require a supernatural work in my life to see that. It's going to. What do you see in Jesus' life that's going to require the most help from Jesus in your life? Some of you would require great help and power from Jesus to work up the nerve to lay hands on a sick person, to pray in faith that Jesus would heal them, to to kneel down for a person who's died and to pray that God would raise them from the dead. It would take a lot lot for you to, to proclaim the gospel with authority, to stand up at Starbucks on a chair and begin to preach, right? That would require a lot, a lot from some of you. You would not be able to do it in your own strength, right? You would need to, to grow and mature. God, God need to grow and mature you in this area. The idea of doing this seems scary and overwhelming. But I would say that Jesus wants to grow all of you in this area. He wants to give you this supernatural ability to, to, to see sick people and not think doctor, but to think healing. 
To see a lost person and not think, oh, not a Christian, right? But to see, oh, Jesus loves you, right? It requires a lot. And some of you are like, that's just so scary. I would need Jesus. And others of you are like, man, no, I, I, I live and I thrive in that. What if I said, what if God said, I want you to invite a homeless mother of four into your home for the next year and get the best of your time, your energy and resources of your life to help her and her children thrive in life, giving about probably a quarter of your yearly salary to make sure that they make it. Or what if I said to you, God was saying, every single one of you needs to bring an orphan into your home in the next year. What if I told you that? What if God said that? Not me. What, I'm, not, I'm not saying he's saying that. But I'm saying, what if he did? Right? Because all in our journey, Jesus can do whatever he wants to do in you, right? He has the right and the power and the authority as Lord over your life to tell you to do anything, to say anything, and go anywhere. He's Lord. Please stop. Hey, listen, you've got to recognize, look it up. Look at the word Lord. Go to, uh, go to like um, Bible dictionary and look up the word Lord and see what it means. Someone has complete right to do as they will in your life and to move you as they will. Jesus Christ is Lord. So he's coming in this moment saying, I want to bring an orphan to your home. I want to bring this mother of four into your home, throwing your life, your normal life out of whack. You can't, you can't go to the store when you want to. You can't go on vacations when you want to. You can't use your retirement like you want to. It's devoted out of somebody else. And in that moment, many of us who were comfortable praying for her finances and believing God for a miracle, right, and praying for healing and restoration, and even maybe praying for a resurrection in this moment, all of a sudden would seriously struggle and maybe even balk at this request from the Lord. We would. While others who maybe are completely overwhelmed by praying for somebody raised from the dead might feel completely empowered to invite this mother and children into their home. And herein lies the secret of the supernatural in our lives. Are you ready for it? The secret of the supernatural in your life. The most supernatural acts of God in our lives are the things we do which require the greatest intervention of God's power in our lives. I want you to look at, let that just marinate with you a moment. The most supernatural acts of God in your life are the things which require the greatest intervention of God in your life. What I mean by that is, like for me, to be completely honest with you, going over to a dead person and laying hands on them and praying that God would raise from the dead honestly would not require much out of my comfort zone, to be honest. I'm just saying, like I grew up with that. That's normal to me. I'm actually very confident in that. I would walk over and I would look at Jesus and I begin to pray with faith. God, raise this person from the dead. I would do that. And I know for some of you, you're like, oh, they're dead. Their body's really cold, <laughs> right? And so... So for the movement of God to do that would require a supernatural movement of God's spirit to empower you. But let's be honest. Let's say, um, let's say, I'm trying to think of something that would be really hard for me to do. Um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. That's not, not that I'm great at everything. I'm literally, it's not coming naturally to me. Sorry. Uh, but let's but imagine like, for, for example, so let's think about children's ministry here at Vintage. I mean, I got people who are scared of kids. Or they say things like, well, I used to do that. Or they say things like, ah, that's just not my thing. All right? And there are some people who have their ball sitting right here, like a Lori Deal right here, and others of you, 
who were like, children, oh, all day long, love children, right? And to ask you to serve for a month in the children's ministry would not require much energy for them. But for some of you, you're like, oh, kids, yeah, Jesus, I, I promise I love them from a distance, right? And it requires a supernatural movement of God for you to actually choose to engage them for a month in a room. And when that happens, the supernatural movement of you being graced to go work with children for a month in the power of the Holy Spirit is equal to the same person who's afraid to go lay hands on the sick and see them healed and then being empowered by God's movement to make that happen. And so what we're getting at this morning in the context of the supernatural, I do believe that God wants to move in all of you in the form of, I wish I've seen all of these except being raised from the dead. I've seen lots of people like miraculously healed, like in the moment, like, like leg short, leg grow. I've seen that. It's crazy stuff, right? I've seen a person who could not bend over for the last six months, lay hands on them. They feel something burning and they immediately, as they're weeping, bend down and touch their toes and do it over and over and over and over again. A fast food restaurant weeping, praising Jesus because he just healed them. I've seen this. Right. As I was jumping up and down, spinning in circles at the at the at the restaurants, crazy stuff like what's wrong with you on drugs? Kind. His name's Jesus. Right. No, it's this great stuff. But for some of you, it's like, oh, and so my point is God's desire is not just to like pigeonhole the supernatural for us. His desire to say, hey, in every area that you can't do it. My supernatural power will come and move through all of you if you will submit, commit, and obey. Submit, commit, and obey. And as we say, God, I take this step into this thing that's so far outside of my comfort zone, he says, thank you for taking the supernatural step of obedience on your journey. Listen, I heard Jack Deere say one time in a book, he, and it was so practical. He goes, if you're not ready to pray for cancer someone, for, for someone yet, then don't go big. Pray for someone who has a small headache and just start there. Because it just seemingly is easier to pray for someone with a headache than someone who's dying. <laughs> and he meant it, it was like a really practical teaching about praying for people. And so my point is in all of these, submission and commitment and obedience, it's all these practical, simple steps that we take every day. We are just as in need of maturity and growth as every single kid that went to elevation this week. This is like every single child who's back here in the village. And God is calling us to growth and maturity and a deeper spiritual life. And that call means a movement towards the supernatural in our lives, whatever that means for you. Your simple commitment to Jesus is that you won't create barriers of what you're willing and not willing to do for him. And do you know what those are? Have you ever said, I don't do that, that's somebody else? Well, I just put a barrier up. I just said, well, God, I'm not going to let you move in that area because I'm not comfortable. God's not real concerned about your comfort. Honestly, he really isn't. And so we want to be these people who say, God, whatever, whatever you have for me. This is Orphan Sunday. We want to invite you this morning in one of these practical steps into, <clears throat> into the supernatural. 
we have these mornings, these, this morning, these um, meals that are right here. And we recognize for some of us, man, we, we love a good meal. The idea of fasting is overwhelming to us, right, which Scripture talks about. But this morning, these are bags that we've gotten from a group, um, a, a group called Christian Alliance of Orphans. And basically, these are meals that they send all over the world uh, to places where orphans are, are, are living and literally do not have resources and do not have food. OK, and, and so this morning we actually have enough for each family to take one pack. This actually feeds six people. OK, this little pack feeds six people. And this morning, what we want to do is we want to invite you to take a supernatural step of faith with your family. A step of, of growth, a, a step of, of maturing by saying, with my family, we want to come and we want to take one meal and we want to empathize and identify with orphans who are all over the world today who are living hungry and have no food. And our hope in this is along this journey that we're on, or maybe you've, you've created these barriers, or maybe there's just this level of ignorance for you about what it means to be an orphan, what it feels, is that we believe in sitting down with your family. We have these nice little discussion and prayer guides right here also that kind of talk about what we're doing and why we're doing it. That what's going to happen is not that, and what's going to happen in that moment is all of a sudden you're going to go, God, would you awaken my heart for the orphans across the world. Because don't you know that when you empathize and step into someone's shoes and identify with them where they are, all of a sudden it raises a level of conviction, a, a, a level of desire and compassion for something, and you find yourself more motivated in that area? Like someone who struggles with what you struggle with, you have more compassion for them than someone who does not struggle with what you struggle with? You think they're weird? Honestly. And so this morning, we want to invite you to, to come to this table. Because what we hope is this. You eat, and then you begin to pray. And as you begin to pray, then God begins to stir something of the supernatural, of a call in your life. I don't know what it means, whether it's like I'm going on a mission trip to, to India. Next time they go, I just feel so compelled to go. Whether it's with my finances, God, you know where I'm strapped financially. But God, we're going to begin to, to give every month because, Lord, we recognize that there's no boundaries for what you want to use me to do. And there's no boundaries for my finances. God, you can use them as you will. Or maybe even it means you're going to... You're going to, to go into foster care in some degree, in some level, or maybe even go adopt a child in a foreign country or here in the States. But it's, it's a simple, practical step this morning for us. One, to celebrate and to recognize the church, God's heart for the orphan, but two, to take this step that's uncomfortable. Maybe for some of us, it is a supernatural step of asking God, God, you may have got to eat a little bit of rice and something else for a meal. I want a steak, but I'm going to take the step asking God in the moment to empower and to awaken his heart for what's going on in the world. Because what I find is simply this, as my heart becomes sensitive to one major issue on God's heart, it's like a dam breaking that then awakens my heart to everything else that God's heart is about in the world. Whether it's an orphan or whether it's for a mom over here 
who is hurting and struggling and just needs freedom through prayer. But the same in the eyes of God. People that I love who are in need and I can meet it through my people. Let's pray.